Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Decoding TV, a podcast about television. I'm David Chen. And I'm Patrick Klepek. And today, we're doing another Ahsoka mini-sode, covering the final two episodes of Ahsoka Season 1. That is Episode 7, Dreams and Madness, and Episode 8, The Jedi, The Witch, and The Warlord. You can find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv.gmail.com. Uh, and find us across all platforms, Instagram, YouTube, uh, TikTok, threads, at Decoding TV. Uh, we got a few comments on our last Ahsoka minisode uh, that I wanted to share. Uh, in particular from, I'm going to say, uh, frequent supporter, collaborator, and malcontent, Danish Syed. <laughs> uh, I've who, talked to Danish as well, so that, that, that circle is uh, overlaps here. I mean, first of all, he said Ahsoka Sode, which was Patrick's suggested name Thank for these you. things. Thank you. Show some respect. Um, what? What is that? I am so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm so upset I need to cancel my subscription to DecodingTV.com. So <laughs> I'm glad we didn't use the term Ahsoka Sode because it would have been wow. too confusing for people like Danish. <laughs> um, and also Danish says, another piece of feedback. I have absolutely no idea who you're talking about when you use characters' last names. It took me a long time to figure out who the fuck Syndulla is. End quote. I am not sure if that is a criticism of this podcast or a criticism of, I'm going to say the show, okay? Mm. Uh, mm. That their names are not that memorable. You know, so. I'm going to choose for it to be the show and not us, David. I Like, why take that weight on our shoulders? I don't think that's necessary. Yeah. <laughs> indeed, indeed. All right. Well, uh, we have come to the end of an eight-week-long journey I never thought I would take. <laughs> But the number <laughs> said, David, record that podcast. <laughs> Indeed. And uh, so we're we are now going to discuss and spoil everything in the final two episodes of Ahsoka. And I think to kick things off, what I'd like to do, Patrick, is read this email from uh, listener Sean from Vancouver. Uh, and Sean wrote into decodingtv at gmail.com. And we are recording this. The morning after the Ahsoka finale aired. So in the time between the finale airing and us recording, uh, Sean sent this in. He, he or she just had to get uh, these viewpoints off of their chest. Uh, so let's talk about what Sean had to say. He, uh, they wrote in, hey, Patrick David, while I have tons of thoughts about what is ostensibly Rebel Season 5, where it succeeds and where it fails, my mind keeps coming back to this. How can a show that is so focused on reunions be so bad at them? <laughs> from Ezra and Sabine's awkward picked you up from the airport hug, not contextualizing Ahsoka and Sabine's off-screen mentorship until literally the last episode, and then not giving even Ezra and Hera a real moment? Now, to preface, my partner and I are familiar with Filoni's animated work. Clone Wars is broadly messy but ambitious and occasionally interesting, and Rebels, while certainly cheaper production, far more successfully captures a classic Star Wars adventures vibe. The core cast of the show is deeply likable. There's parts that even on a recent rewatch re made us both shed tears. It wasn't a perfect series, but it hit the right notes. 
which is why it's just so disappointing that we felt so little for this. Is this just a prime example of writers' rooms on streaming shows being stripped bare, leaving a creative who hasn't solo written a series before? Is the emphasis on his experience with George Lucas overshadowing his skill working with actors in live action? I don't think the show is without its magic moments, largely due to its spectacle. Filoni does get to that classic mythic sensibility to the franchise. But when it comes to writing dialogue and crafting these characters as complex yet natural people, Filoni just hasn't proven himself to be that guy, at least not here, end quote. So, a disappointed fan of Clone Wars and Rebels talking about Ahsoka and how the show just didn't connect with them. Patrick Klepek, obviously you and I have not watched uh, Rebels and Clone Wars, but we're, mm-hmm. we're looking at this you know, from casual Star Wars fan perspective. Do you agree with Sean from Vancouver's email at decodingtv at gmail.com? Do you think this series, Ahsoka, really failed to connect on an emotional level? Uh, I think it could have done more. Is I think it's less that it doesn't connect as much as it could have done more with the material that's in front of it, even absent the uh, the, the obvious uh, caveat, which is like your history with the previous work. I think even with what it's trying to accomplish with newcomers, I think it fails at a number of junctures to make those connections feel more meaningful in a way that could work better for an audience with the weight of history and just work plainly for people who uh, could just read the room. Like there's a way of shooting a thing, scripting a thing that can lend gravity to a scene between characters that can convey weight, even if you don't have that history yourself. And I think this show often falls short in being able to, uh, balance those two things, which, you know, are inherently difficult, but I, I don't think the show is particularly great at accomplishing that difficult task. I do think it is interesting to think about Filoni in the context and legacy of George Lucas, in which maybe you feel differently, but I think like if you look back on Lucas's legacy, I think more specifically with Star Wars than anything else, maybe, you, you know, you would agree or disagree that it, it uh, applies more broadly to his filmography and work in television. Is like more of an ideas guy. Um, than anything else where his like biggest strength is in his ideas, less in his specific execution of those ideas. And I do wonder in watching Filoni take this move from animation uh, to live action that we are seeing like how closely Filoni adheres to that own legacy of George Lucas, in which I believe there are so many cool ideas here, right? I think we've talked a lot about them that are here on the screen, but I don't necessarily know that they're executed to the degree that matches the interesting uh, ramifications or implications of the idea uh, itself. Um, and so whether that is, that is a like inherent flaw with Fil- Filoni as a creative is because broadly his work is not in live action and is basically thrown off the deep end after like the Mandalorian takes off and has a collaboration with with John Favreau, I don't know, could probably be a combination of both. Um, but I, I do end up broadly agreeing with the person writing in that when I sit and talk about some of the ideas that are present in Ahsoka, even some of the ones that are set up in this finale, and like I'm digging through Wikipedia entries to figure out like what what they mean or what they're hinting at, it's like, oh, that's a cool idea. But oh, my worry is that it's not going to be executed as cool as what I think the idea could be. And I think that's, that that is definitely a problem throughout the show. What were your overall thoughts on this season? Like, did you enjoy the finale? Did you think it was a worthy ending? Like what what did you think overall? 
I liked it broadly. It still is a show that really only works for me on the strength of Sabine as a character. I think if like for some reason you deleted her, which obviously you couldn't, but like let's just say we're just ripping her out. Like the show, like there's very little about the show that I find interesting or appealing. The arcs of all the other characters, I don't think really arrive at a place that uh, feels complete or meaningful. I think that is inherent in the fact that, boy, this is just a giant cliffhanger. It isn't meant to be the conclusion of anything, which it's a television show. But I think as you and I have tried to unravel, it's a television show translating, but also being a sequel to an, a long-running animated series intersecting with other live-action shows on television culminating in a film and that is just a very delicate house of cards. And the moment this series accomplishes going to another galaxy, which in theory should be a blank slate for anything to happen. It really feels like the show is spinning its wheels to get to the finale because it's like, look, we don't have 12 episodes. Like there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen. We don't have time for it. Uh, So like not much is going to happen in the next two. I hope you like those little creatures. They're very cute. They're adorable. <laughs> in fact, they should just be on the screen more because they're my maybe my favorite part of the, the of the two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, they're great, uh, but I, I do think this show really doesn't know what to do with itself once it realizes. It, it feels as though it's like, all right, we know what the closing shots are for this season. Ah, oh, shit! Like ninety minutes has got to go in there, but we can't go any further past those closing shots. And you can just feel the squeeze that those cliffhanging cliffhanger shots have on the show. Uh, and I think it ends up resulting in a work that is 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 I, I, I broadly enjoyed my time. I would watch a season two of this happily, but it feels like a pretty flawed work that is consistent with flaws that I've heard about Filoni in general. Um, and there's not much here that suggests to me it's all that different. Um, but your, your your mileage is going to vary again based on how much how much history you have with these with these characters, and maybe that ends up papering over some of the issues that that I have with it. Patrick, are you familiar with Police Story 2 by Jackie Chan? <laughs> I'm aware that it exists, but I have not seen it. Oh, my God. First of all, dude, you got to watch like Police Story 2. I feel like I've said something offensive. I feel no, like, no, no. Like, I'm going to, like, like, dear listener, so many things, like, making, you know, telling uh, David that I liked the Twisted Metal series, so I guess maybe we should cover the rest of it. Like, I've made, I've committed so many sins. Yeah, I think yeah, this, yeah. Th- maybe this one is the worst one. No, 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 no. <laughs> Here, here's a comparison. Police Story 2. Okay, so... Uh, Police Story 2, 1988, Hong Kong action film starring Jackie Chan. One of the greatest action films ever made, in mm. my opinion. Uh, Police Story 1, also one of the greatest action films ever made. And in my opinion, like a legitimately pretty good film, Police Story 1 was. Police Story 2 upped the ante when it came to action scenes and um, set pieces. But the plot is complete and utter nonsense. Right? <laughs> And uh, so I can still, I still enjoy police story too. You know, like uh, it's still great movie, a lot of enjoyable action scenes, but like, I don't watch it for the plot. You know, the plot is not what gets me through that movie. Uh, Similar dynamic here. I bring that up because just because the acting, the dialogue, the characters, the plot have nothing of value to add to my life. Doesn't mean that the art, the work of art is a waste of time. (laughs) Right, you know, right, right. Having said that, <laughs> this is no police story, too. No, I'm just joking. I mean, um, 
Patrick, you know, I'm I'm so grateful that Patrick, you know, signed on to be my uh uh sort of standing co-host for Decoding TV. And boy, we've been on some wild adventures since we started. <laughs> you know, Secret Invasion. Here's the thing, Secret Invasion. Mm-hmm. That was a calamitous disaster that show right that we show was a, so many podcasts and re-recorded them we didn't we didn't know how to get through it not the podcast i'm talking about the actual show mm, itself that mm. cost over 200 million dollars on disney plus um that was a basically a disaster of a show like there was extremely silly virtually nothing of consequence happened tons of characters of potential just wasted yeah disastrous finale nothing pretty much nothing redeeming like i w- i would not recommend that show to anyone <laughs> right? i know it's it definitely like like i have friends in my life that are big marvel fans and they're yeah. like oh i just haven't gotten to that one i was like you're good this I is think, not a car crash this is not a car crash on that level no this no. is merely in my opinion a very bad show mm. um that <laughs> has some good aspects to it uh but this finale makes some truly baffling decisions in my opinion at the same time some really cool stuff happens in the finale uh that is worth talking about and and did get me excited and did give me a sense of wonder and so i can't say that this show has no value at all like there is some cool stuff to watch but largely i would say this is not a good show i would not recommend it to most people certainly not to casual fans um i sort of wish uh, i understand why and I won't be shocked if the next 10 years is broadly even guided by Filoni. Like he has an appeal to a certain, yeah. like, he makes something that is really appealing to quite a few people um, and, and people that consider themselves really diehard Star Wars fans. And so even though I'm not able to, I think even if I was to go back and watch Clone Wars and go back and watch Rebels, I still think I would find myself not fully on board with, Filoni's approach and I don't know how much that is is the Lucas influence how much that is just his particular reaction to Star Wars as a work and how he interprets it on his own um like he does have a vision for it like he has an idea of like what Star Wars is and where it could go and I realize that's an extremely low bar but for a property that has felt like pre- like creatively rudderless even though it's had really really high highs and really low lows there is at least something interesting about like look at least the man like kind of note like he's he's like seems like he's mapping so like he has an idea of where this is going thinking about past present future which i may not necessarily agree with all the decisions on like what those things were mapping out or where the hierarchy of values are like introducing like what seems to be like gods into like the, the the star wars universe i may not find that more compelling than like the on the ground like grunt work like in a show like uh, compared to a show like andor but it's at least a vision um and so i understand for a lot of people why they find if they find if they line up with that that vision why they find themselves so deeply attached to Filoni's approach to everything else that surrounds it say what you will about the vision of Dave Filoni at least it's an ethos you know it is. At least- <laughs> i mean it really is like say it feels what you will about how misguided and painful it is to watch the show at least it's an ethos yeah i don't think um, i'm that, i don't think i think i'm I'm closer to, I think I'm critical of it, but like, I can go along for the ride. I think, you know, you, you less so, but I do. Well, I, I will say this. I will say this. I, in my, you know, I was, I was fairly down on the show from the beginning, but I, I really tried to keep an open mind going into the finale. Yeah. And 
there were certain things that I was like, oh, well, maybe if they like pay this off, that will actually be like a pretty compelling little like mini arc for some of these characters. Um, but I would say the, you know, episodes six, seven, and eight, you know, like taking them together as a, basically once they arrive at Peridia, taking it together as a group, I think is pretty underwhelming. And the finale just makes decisions that are like, yes, they, they might be acceptable in the world of like Star Wars live action shows, but like it, are, are just, in my opinion, bad storytelling is what I, yeah. would, I, how I describe it. So let's, let's talk about it. But anyway, those are our overall thoughts on Ahsoka season one. Actually, one last thing before we talk about what actually happens in Ahsoka um, episode seven and eight. Which is there has been quite a bit of debate about whether or not this is a series finale or a season finale of Ahsoka. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but the Star Wars social accounts tweeted out the following. This is an actual tweet from the the official Star Wars account. Uh, Get ready for the series finale of Ahsoka tonight. Catch up on episode seven streaming on Disney+. Plus. So then people like Gizmodo reached out and said, is this a serious finale? Because that's news to us. And then those social posts were deleted, right? Mm. So, Isn't there, uh, I, you would know this better than I, but like there is language about that that is specific for things like Emmy considerations, right? Like whether something is considered a limited series versus an ongoing. So sometimes that language can have like pretty specific implications in terms of like, the bookkeeping of how a show correct, is thought correct, of, right? Correct. Whether it's a uh, limited series, like it, it would affect which category it's submitted in. Like, is it a limited series or is it an ongoing series? Although some shows have been able to, uh, there's been some debate over some shows. Like, for instance, The White Lotus, uh, you could argue that season two was a whole new series because there's no it's one. kind of an anthology format. Kind of anthology, to, you know, yeah. so it's like, it's it's debatable in some shows. But regardless, uh so did they delete, uh, you know, that tweet because they're not ready to announce that it's a serious finale or did they delete it because a social media person made a mistake in the language? Um, it's unclear. We, you know, there's a lot of speculation that Dave Filoni's movie, which may or may not still be happening, is going to tie in events uh, with what if happens. If any of those movies shows. happen, I bet it's that one. Like, yeah, I, 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 I do think like, like the train, like the Mandalorian train is like, you can disagree with the tracks, but like. They're there, and like the train is moving. So, of all those films were announced, say what like, you will about the tenets of the Mandalorian. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. So, but like, I, I, and uh, and I actually think it's sort of a distinction without a difference in terms of like, is this a series or season finale? Because there's already uh, present evidence in how Disney has rolled out this corner of the universe. If you if you think of what Favreau and Filoni, uh, Filoni, <laughs> Filoni are doing, as they're both building this shared corner of the universe, uh, building off one another, playing in with one, uh, one another's characters. Um, like the book of Boba Fett, like d- takes a careening turn into the Mandalorian for, for two episodes. It's not going to shock me if in the Mandalorian season four, which my understanding is, is already written because Dave Favreau is often writing these like full, uh, you know, years in advance of, of filming the shows themselves. We'll just have like, I think, the titles John, of these John shows, Favreau, I think you mean John Favreau, yeah. yeah. Like, like these, the titles of these shows are going to matter less in, in, in so much as like these characters are just going to start jumping between these different shows. And right. when they're, you know, whatever it's named is just telling you that's sort of the main character, but like everyone else is along for the ride. Like I fully expect like, 
you know, with the certain, you know, events that occur at the finale of this, some characters in certain parts of the galaxy, some characters in other parts, that it's very easy for, to imagine those characters easily hopping over to the next season of The Mandalorian. And so Ahsoka season two, yes or no, sort of means less to me as much as like, Got I don't it. think we're abandoning these characters. Like they're coming fair, back yeah, in some fair. way or another. Th- that's fair. That's fair. But uh, I guess just point being unclear whether or not it's a series finale or not. Um, the the season premiere did do very well. Disney actually released some numbers. Like I think 14 million people watched it. So uh, it's very possible that it's going to be an Ahsoka season two. But as of now, it's unclear. Is, is all I wanted to say about that. So yeah. anyway, those are some overall thoughts on Ahsoka Season 1. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. All right, Patrick, let's talk about what actually happened in these episodes. And here again, I am reading from the Wikipedia plot summary of Ahsoka Season uh, 1, Episode 7. On Coruscant, Syndulla faces a disciplinary hearing with tribunal member Senator Hamato uh, Ziono objecting to her reports of the secret Imperial Remnant conspiracy. C-3PO arrives and provides the tribunal with fake authorization by Senator Leia Organa, forcing the court to absolve Syndulla and Mothma to consider the threat of an Imperial resurgence. It's like, Patrick, it's the thing that you remember from the thing. Remember? Yeah. You know? I mean, look, again, it's a low bar, but like, A, we're not like CGing somebody that died. So like, yay. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) That is your bar for a callback that you can get on board with. I mean, for the precedent that Disney has set. Yes. Like C-3PO is like. That's table stakes, whatever. I gotta like he shows up in everything. Like that he'll be in the I, I, next I, the next three movies for for all we know. So um I, that, I, I that did, didn't bother me. So I didn't much. I didn't mind it. It's it's a it's a C three period. But basically, like the whole reason we it makes it feel like the whole reason we spent any time with Sindula at all this season was to lead to this moment, right? Yeah. Like, oh Sindula, you can't send out people to go and help Ahsoka, and the reason you can't do that is because this moment. Like to culminate in this moment, which is basically a callback to the original, you know, the the movie, the movie, the series of movies involving uh, Leia. The, um, the, the more, the less, the, the more charitable reason, but I uh, that I don't think is necessarily a good storytelling uh, reason is, you know, we've talked about how much this show seems to be intent on explaining, like how does how is the rise of the first order going to happen? How did the New yeah. Republic? fuck this up and this show is just so intent on me like man the new republic is really bad at this like just like i don't know send a shuttle to see if thrall still around not a big deal you got resources like you got the mm. empire stuff you got your stuff and just unwilling to even 
fathom the thought of like, you know, in a universe where lots of people mysteriously return, magic exists. It's called, you know, like, no, like bad guy could never come back. Um, and so, yeah, okay. like, F- there fair. is, like, I, I think part of my, my issue with how Hera has been portrayed in this show is like, she largely just exists to like have friction with the new Republic and show them as inept in a way that helps explain how we arrive at like, you know, the, 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 the new trilogy of films, but doesn't necessarily give, you know, a really talented actor anything yeah. to do over the course of the series. And I don't think necessarily even justifies, like it just makes the new Republic seem inept in a way that isn't, um, like, look, I, we watch poor governance all the time. It happens all around us. Uh, I think there are better ways of portraying the New Republic as being inept and how that would lead to a rise, a rise of fascism again. Yes. But it doesn't have to happen, like, this obviously, necessarily. Yeah. And to be clear, Sindula, by the way, for, for Danish's listening, is the Mary Elizabeth Winstead character with the, the green makeup. So Yes. Uh, anyway, uh, I, that's completely fair, Patrick. And you know what? Uh, I, I, I was going to say, I didn't even mind it. I didn't even mind the callback. Neither. It, you know, it was, it's, it, it happens re- relatively quickly and it's like, it's, it's fine. Uh, but yes, that, what you said, that is a, uh, probably the best way of reading what happens with Sindula's plotline this season. Anyway, moving, moving on. Arriving at Peridia, the Purgles run into a minefield left by Thrawn's forces in retreat. Continuing alone, Ahsoka and Hu Yang are attacked by enemy fighters and hide in a debris field, compelling the Grand Admiral to adopt a more calculated approach. Ahsoka locates Ren through the forest and heads to the planet's surface. Bridger, Ren, and the Noti are attacked by Hati, the local bandits, and Thrawn's night troopers, while Skull leaves to pursue his own agenda. Ahsoka's intervention forces Thrawn to withdraw his remaining night troopers and prepare his imminent departure. Ahsoka invites Hati, who has been left behind, to join them, but Hati instead runs away. Ahsoka, Bridger, and Ren then joyously reconnect. All right, Patrick, let's talk a little bit about this. I actually thought this was kind of a cool... There's some cool action sequences because... Um, Ezra is like, no, I'm not going to use guns for this episode, at least. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Ditches that core tenet of his philosophy (laughs) awfully quick. Yeah. And so, but you have one guy who's basically like pushing people and then like Sabine is, has like multimodal fighting technique. He's more of a martial arts, like sort of approach to like combined with the, with the force in terms of his fighting style. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I think Ahsoka and Hati have a battle as well, if I recall correctly, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, you know, that was solid. Like, the action in the show remained solid until the very end, I would say. And the action scenes in, in this episode were, like, pretty decent, I thought. Any comments, Patrick? Any observations? No, uh, no I, I broadly agree. And, and also, it's just, you know, I don't know how successful, ultimately, at this point in the show, or even by the end of the show, they are in conveying why Thrawn is a threat. Like, I, I don't think this show does a fantastic job of displaying this, like, masterful He's tactician. He's a master tactician. Yeah, you know? well, because, yeah. again, like, again, we've talked about, like, the whole thing about his character is, like, he's like, ah, oh, that pesky force! And, like, but that's all around him right now, so he can't even, like, see mm-hmm. what happens when he's separated from, like, the, the pesky force that he can't anticipate. But you do see, I like the fact that he sort of says what he's gonna do, talks about what worked and didn't work and then moves on to the next thing. There's sort of something cold and interesting about how he approaches and explains himself. It doesn't feel like it's talking down to the audience as much as it's, that's just how his brain works. And so I, I found that dynamic between 
as different uh, attacks are going out onto our characters to be like a, a kind of fun dynamic as we would always cut back to Thrawn and he would sort of like the, you know, the acceptable losses line, which is one that he said you know, like over and over and over uh, throughout these episodes. But I'm with you. I think like one of the highlights of the show has been, uh, you know, Star Wars at its weakest when you've gotten past the like either the nostalgia or the just like niftiness of like, ooh, like the magic glowing sword is identifying fighting styles. And I think the the strength of this show has been identifying fighting styles with these various characters yeah. and finding ways to emphasize that in a show that's had a lot of action. And oftentimes in Star Wars, that action can be used to just kind of muddy over like more interesting storytelling. It's like, everyone loves the lightsabers. It's like, yeah, but like, I'm almost 40. Like I've seen a lot of these, like you have, you have to bring something yeah. to the table. And I think, I, I think frankly, the, the strength of the action scenes in this show, like only make the weaknesses and the character work more glaring because it's like, like you're ki- like in a show that was able to pump those parts up a little bit better. Like, I think you would see the quality of the show more broadly, feel more in equilibrium because it just feels like the action has ended up doing in many ways. It does a lot of character work because it's, I think, you know, you and I both had a lot of issues with the dialogue in the show interaction with characters in the show. And oftentimes, you know, action can be a great way to express character moments. And here it's like, it's doing that, but often it, because the rest of the show isn't doing a great job of carrying those, those character moments, you often learn more about, the emotional state of the characters through their action scenes. And I just wish the rest of the show kind of carried that weight as equally. Absolutely. Uh, completely agree, Patrick. Uh, okay. Now, Patrick, prior to the finale, we had spoken a lot about how Balin Skull and Hati are like awesome characters. Uh, and Do we and have th- to do this? Do we have, yep. do we have, do we have, we have okay, fine. We have right. to do it. And okay. so Thrawn, and we're like, okay, well, Thrawn is clearly being set up as the big bad, right? But, they're probably going to kill off Hati or Skull. Like, that will be the big confrontation of the season, is, like, Hati or Balin Skull, because, like, they've been fighting these characters all season, and, like, obviously, obviously the show is going to end with, like, a big confrontation with at least one of those characters. Uh, and either one of them being vanquished or killed or or, or whatever like that. But what the creators of the show thought was, what if, no, what if we didn't do that? What if we went a bold way and had the final confrontation be with a character we've barely been paying attention to this whole season? Yeah. That is to say Elspeth, right? She becomes the big bad of the finale. And on the one, it's, it's literally what you just said, which is the Elspeth sequence and the fighting with Elspeth was totally badass i thought like yeah some some of the stuff in the finale was hit or miss like when they first show up and there's like a way like, like 50 stormtroopers shooting at them it's a little bit comical and i, I didn't love that the, the zombie stuff was kind of cool but the fight with elsbeth was awesome i thought like the idea that she has like a blade that needs to be wielded differently than a lightsaber and like mm-hmm. have a different posture like all that stuff was really cool uh completely let down by the storytelling this season which relegates elsbeth to not even a side character. Like I think the Noti get more screen time than her this season. Like she's she's barely present in in most of the season. Yeah, um, and especially because there's you know there's a moment in the finale where she, yeah, essentially she's you know she's given this great power, asked to make a great sacrifice, 
And I think the show wants us to feel a little bad for her. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you didn't, you don't get to go on the grand, like, you don't get to see this yeah. through. You don't but get like, to see the promised land. Yeah, but it's like, like, yo, you haven't done any character work with her. <laughs> like, look, pro- like problem one, identifying with the fascists. But if I'm going to do that in a show that like kids identify with the fascists, it sort of goes with the territory on Star Wars. Kids like Darth Vader, but. There is nothing to that moment for me to even like yeah. identify with like a villain feeling disappointment, which is an interesting dynamic to have as an audience member. But like they like there's that shot where they're like you you can tell like oh damn she doesn't get to do this and it's like who cares like I don't <laughs> well well couple things first of all I think if you probably Elspeth was a character in the animated shows right so like I think yeah. if you. If you'd had hundreds of episodes of like buildup of who Elspeth was, maybe this would be a significant moment for for and you. But I think that speaks to like, and again, it's like, yeah, hey, show this is the challenge you took on, right? Yeah. And yeah. so I, and I, if that is true, which I'd be curious if people you know want to write in if that moment hits differently. That's been one of my favorite parts about like watching the show is then reading up reactions differently, like elsewhere to be like where people are like losing their minds, and I'm like, oh. Oh, okay, well, that just like flew right past me. Right, <laughs> you right. know, like, like but, there were moments in the show where they're repeating shots from like Clone Wars and people are like, oh, it's so, it's so sad. I'm like, I, okay. Um, yeah. And but, I, but, but, but Patrick, what is wild is they actually did do a decent job of building up Balin Skull and Hati in this I show. Know. Yes. And it's like the pieces are all there to have like a really great confrontation between like the, the most compelling character in the show, Balin Skull. And whoever else you want them to fight, you know, like uh, Ahsoka, Sabine, whoever the hell, you know, like whatever that, but like, but then to have the big confrontation be with Elspeth, it's just a bizarre decision, in my opinion, G- given how good Ray Stevenson is in the show. And also, uh, we had debated whether he's going to be killed or or recast, and it does look like he's probably going to be recast if we're ever going to follow up on that storyline again. So it seems... Um, um based on my cursory searching of where he's standing, like they don't have, like they don't have a choice. Like if they're going to continue that storyline, they're going to have to recast that character. It seems actually, again, based on what I've read, like potentially like deeply central to what that movie ends up being uh, (laughs) as well. Like big mythology parts about star Wars that Filoni has like played in, in in the past, but um, I'm with you. And I think this is part of the curse of, that hey we're not conceiving a show as a show to give yeah. a like an arc that's going to feel like there's a difference between having a show give you over the course of a season a sense of finality while also leaving threads open to pull on i think the like the shows that are at their best are able to like ah like our characters have arrived here but man it'd be really interesting to see like what they what if they like open that door and here like they, the door has never even tried to be shut. Like the door is, yeah. is wide open. It feels like Ahsoka part one. Like, and yeah. hey, in the spring, like there's going to be six more episodes. I'm like, oh, okay. Like that. All right. Then you would feel better about like where this ends because right. that would just, I mean, it would still feel bad because, but that's where we are as a culture in which we have these, you know, I've listened to you, you know, talk about this on the film cast a lot in terms of a lot of films that have come out this year that feel like they are not being created as, a singular work. It is just a hard cut to a black screen and credits and like tune in to the next one in a way that doesn't feel satisfying. And I think the way that star Wars is trying to emulate Marvel, 
ironically coming at a time in which Marvel is buckling under the weight of that very same connective tissue. Uh, there's a different world where you take all the same story elements that you and I have watched over these eight. And I think you can still end up broadly where we're at, but if it was thought it was, if it was developed as though, but like, what if there wasn't another season? You know, what if there wasn't like, we'll leave some, some open doors that we could, we could go down. Like you would wanted those characters that we came to find interesting and threatening and, have some sort of moment in the finale and they have nothing they're not even present in that final episode well, they they show up and we see them you know walk on take a few steps on a mountainside basically right and <laughs> yeah uh and yeah I, I was like oh wow ray stevens that was an interesting storyline I, I wonder where that's going nowhere this season at least no you know like that's that's the answer and uh hugely disappointing now look i understand right we're watching chapters in a bigger book i understand it's not going to tie everything up but to be a satisfying season of television, it needs to tie up some things. And I think for a lot of people, they think it, it tied up enough things. Ezra got to go home. And that's that's the story. It's like, okay, if that if that works for you, then uh, all the power to you. For me, uh, I was hoping for a little bit more resolution when it came to things like what happened with Balin Skull and Hati, you know, and like just because that character is so interesting. And um and there's just bizarre things happening left and right. Like a major point about like uh, Sabine and Ahsoka's relationship introduced in the last episode, right? Like, I, I don't know if you caught that. I think our, our writer wrote about that as well. Uh, our email wrote, wrote in about that as well. Um, not contextualizing Ahsoka and Sabine's off-screen mentorship until literally the last episode. Like that's dropped in the last episode. It's just like, it just feels like sloppy, honestly. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like the storytelling is under control. Uh, and that was a real problem for me. So let's talk about some of the stuff that happened. Uh, in episode eight, the Jedi, the witch and the warlord, Elizabeth is gifted a night sister stored uh, from the great mothers to confront the Jedi. Uh, while Bridger constructs a new lightsaber using spare parts from his late master, Kanan Jarrus. Ahsoka, Ren and Bridger make their way to the Chimera, which is docked at the eye of Siam, but are confronted by Elizabeth and the night troopers whom the great mothers keep resurrecting after they're killed. What do you think about zombie stormtroopers, Patrick? What do you think about the design idea execution around them? I'd love it in in concept. I just wish they'd sort of gone further in Absolutely. execution. Uh, Absolutely. I, I have no like I think this whole idea of a different way of tapping into the force, a different version of the dark side is and like calling them witches is inherently cool i think it is a really neat way of is it the uh, force though or is it magic i don't know like, i don't like, yeah. i have no but like whatever yeah. like what, what the, the, the force certainly implies other mystical magics energies in the world and however you classify it and <laughs> felony experts can write in and are, yeah. the, are the night sisters tapping into the force or something different but like i told like i don't have any problem with it conceptually and at the end of the day like it's cool and so run with it but like they're zombies like i don't need them to turn into flesh eating monsters necessarily but it just it felt like uh a really cool idea that i just wanted more from during the actual well, sequence because they largely look indistinguishable from regular stormtroopers <laughs> yeah, they just have the green right? if not for the vfx if not if not but they have some green eyes and then like maybe you see like glimpses of underneath the the outfit we get a little like, bit of that when they fight the right like the death troopers or whatever the ones that are like yeah. up top like the two more powerful ones and yeah those were the, the basically the juggernauts basically those are those are kind of cool but you get to um, see some of their face like some of the, yeah. the mask come off and like they're clearly 
rotted weird corpses underneath and i I get it you know like this is it's meant to be like a family friendly show to some degree but look now you're doing zombies like scare the kids a little bit man like 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 i would have imagined if like all of a sudden this like the armor started dropping and you and it was revealed to you like this is what the night sisters are doing to these people like when you when you gun them down when you slice them down they come back up but like this is what's happening underneath would be like I think a great way of illustrating what is like truly terrifying about the powers that they wield. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Great concept, not so great in execute or not as maximally terrifying as it could have been in execution. Uh, Ren uses the force to help uh, Bridger jump onto the chimera while Ahsoka kills Elspeth. Okay. So that was a pretty cool moment when she, like they both use their force powers to like push Ezra onto the ship. I thought that was kind of awesome. I have to say, you know, like it was, it was nifty. Although I, I think I'd expressed earlier in the in in our discussions, I was kind of hoping that she would never develop develop force powers mm-hmm. at all. I always thought mm-hmm. that her character seemed interesting as someone that had a limited connection to the force, even though all living beings have some connection to the force, but that her way of interpreting, uh, interacting with it was was different like her 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 feelings of being a jedi would be manifestly different than our our like sort of a broad conception of it which is you have a lightsaber you jump around and you you force push and it's like oh wow a character that feels like they want to be part of the jedi order interpret like what that means on their own but can't do the magic powers like i knew this is where they were going like i, I knew i knew like, they just were doing it too many times like rules of three she's going to try and push something and eventually like it's going to budge and I can accept it. I just find it a little bit of a disappointing turn for the character because now like our three main characters are all Jedi, 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 and they're all like really good at it. And it was not kind of mm. cool that we had somebody right. with a different yeah. fighting style approach mindset to the world. And, and in some ways could be sort of an audience sort of surrogate of like, wouldn't it be cool to have those powers? I'm like, yeah, but like you don't have them. Um, but like you can hang out, um, like still like, you know, help. Uh, so, but I agree with you that I think it actually fits the mold of appreciating how the show, uh, incorporates different fighting styles was how many times have we seen a force push a million times, right? It's still on like a, on a kinetic level, cool to watch when done well, but there is something really neat here of the idea of turning into a video game, double jump which I have not seen. Before. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Again, yeah. like Star Wars has been manifested in a million forms. So many video games, so many animated shows, so many movies that it's hard to come up with something you haven't seen. I was like, Oh, all right. Like, I don't like this turn for the character, but I'm with you, David. Like that was pretty sick when she yeah. first pushed him up. <laughs> well, and, and the whole, like it also is into the setup of like this ship being docked on this massive, monument or whatever and then like then being able to like access the dock from you know like the setup the execution it was all very cool so like props I agree. props where it's due um so anyway uh the eye of scion jumps into hyperspace leaving ahsoka sabine ren and hu yang stranded on peridia as thrawn and the great mothers arrive over dathomir bridger escapes and reunites with syndulla and chopper ahsoka ren and hu yang join the noti and make their new home on peridia watched over by anakin spirit Hati joins the bandits while Skull is guided to a mountain by a statue of the Mortis gods. And that is the end of Ahsoka season one. Uh, I want to say that 
it's really a bummer that the Sisters of Dathomir use what seems to be a last in first out system. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, oh, you just you just got inducted into the order. Guess what? Guess who's the first cannon fodder to get out there? <laughs> oh, you think you think it's one of us? The first, like we've been doing this for a thousand years. You know like, how long we've been on this goddamn yeah, planet? You know? <laughs> is, you looked around here. This yeah. is miserable. No, we're not. We're not doing. You're you're the one. It's like a basically a freshman hazing ritual is like what El- <laughs> Elsbeth goes through, right? Do you think she's dead? I don't buy that she's. I mean, this is like it's an episode in which she used her powers to, uh, con- constant like resurrect creatures over and over again. I feel like if they want to, Elsbeth has a, p- a power in her back pocket that like also allows her to tap into whatever that is. Yeah. I did think it was a little bit goofy when she gets the powers and it's like, oh, now you have the black eyes and the makeup now. And it's like, <laughs> it was a little bit, I was like, also, okay, that's a little um, Is this like a, a Matrix I mean, I guess it makes It makes sense intellectually that that's what would happen, but like, uh, it's just weird that it happens all of a sudden and to a character that we've seen, <laughs> you know, anyway, okay, go ahead. They, We're gonna they should, the, the nice sisters should have come over, like take out the makeup kit and like start applying, <laughs> like, hey, now yeah. you're one of us. Like, now you're one of to, us, yeah. Exactly. Like they're going to prom. Um, yeah. Uh, I understand why this happens, but um, I guess it's like a Matrix situation where one gets handed a cool sword and thus becomes a Blade Master. Um, like there's no, like there's nothing <laughs> about Elizabeth that has suggested to me, like she's a character that stands around, <laughs> looks stoic, and like mm-hmm. wields green evil magic. But also, I guess we're meant to know that. Well, in her downtime, she pours herself a glass of wine, puts on some music, and like practices the art of the blade. Um, mm-hmm. Like, just suddenly she is. Like, yeah, there's no setup for it at all. She's right? able no... to go to toe to toe with Ahsoka, who is like, you know, has trained under Anakin Skywalker, like, has two blades. Like, we have seen be the ultimate Jedi badass. And just like, well, someone handed me a sword, like, time to be awesome at it. Um, I mean, it's fine. Like, it's the least of my concerns in terms of logical leaps. But I couldn't help but laugh a little bit. I was like, where did – did she also inherit uh, the uh, the skills of the blade uh, when she touches it? <laughs> yeah. We got to see Ezra – and again, I, I just – you know, people have been very kind in the emails and the messages we've gotten about our podcast. I think, like – they know that I'm bringing a critical eye to the show, and I think they, uh, some of many of them share that critical eye. Um, so I, I am often trying to take the show on its own terms and, and trying to give the show the benefit of the doubt. And even in that regard, it is still very difficult when you have Ezra reuniting with three people in this show, three major reunions. None of which make really any emotional impact. The closest one was the last one with Sindula when she kind of gives him this like odd look when he shows up on the ship, right? Um, that was the closest thing I got to like a ping of like actual genuine emotion in my my bones at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but our our uh, uh, emailer at decodingtv@gmail.com wrote in and described it as like you know greeting your friend from the airport hug. I have seen people meeting people at airports that's like way more passionate and intense than anything we saw on this show. Right. Like 
Air, air, you know, if you've seen Love Actually, airports are actually really emotionally intense places because you're <laughs> you're seeing people who you haven't seen in like three months or whatever, and they're people you really love. And the fact that they couldn't even nail those reunions to me speaks to something deeply wrong with how these shows are being directed and to a much lesser extent acted. Um, because it's like th- th- that's not. <laughs> You're you're building up all season to this like big event of like Ezra is such a big deal, and then when the reunions happen, it makes no impact at all. And so for me, that is why the show fails. Not like we didn't get to see Thrawn do a bunch of shit. Like it's like emotionally, I didn't connect with the main core of what's going on here, and I don't think the show gave me the tools to do that. Patrick, am I being unfair? No, I think I think you're right. I think anything in the in the grand scheme of things, uh the show is not being thought of as a singular work where like, Hey, we're coming in and we're coming out. Maybe we'll revisit these characters another time. Like the groundwork for this show, its mission is to make more people care about these characters that are being plucked from a different world of star Wars brought here. And now you need to be invested in them. And I think you're right that broadly it does not accomplish that mission for the average person. I think it makes them look cool. I think like you can see like how they could be interesting, but I think in terms of, I don't, I don't think either you or I expected to have the same emotional response to different scenes in this show without the weight of history with them. But like a good show, good writing should be able to convey the the gravity of that so that even though you don't experience that emotion, you can like sense it. You can, like, you yeah. can feel it. It's the same way that you're like when you go to an airport and you watch people right. like see people that they love and hug, you're like, well, I don't really give a shit about these people. But, like I'm really <laughs> happy for them. Like that seems like a cool feeling to have. Yeah. And yeah. That, I think that's a really interesting way to put it because in many ways, watching this show feels like you and I going to like a like a Star Wars Rebels airport. It's like, well, we're here. Like, we're going down the track. Like, seeing like, oh, I, I, oh, I kind of remember that. Like, I kind of know. And then, and you may not be able to experience the emotion yourself, but you can appreciate the sentiment being shared. And I don't think this show nearly got close in being able to accomplish that. And whether that is a fault of like trying to do too much fan service. Uh, versus trying to make it work for newcomers. I don't know. But at the end of the day, I think you and I are on the same page of like some potentially interesting characters, but ones that I don't leave. Like that moment at the end with like Anakin's like, like uh, force ghost, I know is supposed to be like, like I'm supposed to be, and I'm like, Patrick is touching his chest and exhaling yeah. and, and instead right I'm like visual listening. effects in this series seem pretty poor. Um, <laughs> like, like that's <laughs> like what I'm thinking at the end instead. And so I'm, I'm with you. I don't think it is too harsh to say that this series broadly failed on conveying why these characters care so much about each other, because there's a way to do that without understanding. You can yada, yada, yada plot and, like right and right. all that but you should still be able to convey the emotional part and i don't yeah. think they were able to do that and those moments like should be critical junctures in being able to do that i do think the last one Sindula's awe at seeing as like yeah. there's a good that's, build that's up to it mary elizabeth winstead is a great actor you know uh, so, yeah like, I, I think i think she sells it and there's yeah. like there's even though we know who's there we know who's under the helmet i thought they did a good job of having actual 
buildup. I, I mean, again, like there the sequence where Ahsoka sees Ezra for the first time, it's the most emotion. Like it's just a random shot, but like she's like smiling and hugging him. There's no buildup to that. Like this is a character that has largely spent the show crossing their arms and not expressing any emotion. And the one time she gets to smile, we don't get to have any appreciation or buildup as the audience member. Feels it feels very odd. Um, yeah. and, and I'm with you that it, it doesn't quite land. It is a baffling decision. Uh, the show is full of baffling decisions. You know, like, why why relegate Skull and Hati in the way they did? Like, two characters, like, they didn't even kill Hati off. That was the thing that's like, I'm like, you set up basically four bad guys, mm-hmm. uh, of which two of them are, like, pretty interesting. And then, like, the one that you actually use is somebody who's been in the background the whole time. Um, but the other thing is making Ahsoka the central character of the show, I think, like, it, you know, it sells tickets, as they might say, but... What what was the purpose of that? Like, is this supposed to make Ahsoka seem interesting to general audiences? Because if so, I think they completely failed at that. That was a disastrous... It, it's a, in my opinion, disastrous depiction of this character. Because the character changes, like, has some revelations about, like, her relationship with Anakin and her relationship with Sabine Wren. But, like, that doesn't seem to change her demeanor in any way or her personality. You know, like, it doesn't seem to change really her actions that much, in my opinion. Like, yes, she she might have uh, taken some different actions. She might have, like, decided to go to Peridia differently or not go to Peridia or whatever. But if the purpose of the show, big if, was to introduce Ahsoka to general audiences and make people invested in that character, I do think the show has failed. Um if the purpose was just, hey, we're telling an extended story from Rebels and Clone Wars, then I think it's fine. I think it's it, it does what it's supposed to do. You know? I, I I I agree with you. Like how, and we won't know this until later. Like yeah. where does this fit in the broader framework? Will we look back at this in three to four years and go, wow, nothing in that show actually mattered? <laughs> Other like I think it's entirely possible yeah. that all that mattered from this show was, uh you know thrawn has returned you know what i mean like that that is somehow thrawn has returned somehow thrawn (laughs) like well to most of the galaxy that is going to be how it feels like ah damn it somehow thrawn has returned and i i i you know i think it is as a result of that like would this show have been better to have been simply just titled like star wars rebels like hey we're going to bring some of these characters in live action it's really most like hey we are building to a movie but like tune in to the movie. Like, like you're, you're good. Like there's these characters are going to be on adventures. They're setting things up. They're going to pay off in the movie, but you can just watch the movie when it comes out and we'll do the table setting for you. Um, but here calling it Ahsoka, putting her in Mandalorian yeah. is really forwarding her as like, Hey, like the star Wars universe, as it currently stands post rise of Skywalker doesn't have a lot of main characters. Like, Ahsoka is now positioned as one right. of them, which is why they titled the show that way. But in many ways, I think it ends up doing the show a disservice because I, even I think with a simple title tweak, it alters your expectations of like Absolutely. what you're watching and yeah. what the show is mean, meaning to accomplish. And it may end up feeling like that in the long run, but like right now, like Disney's telling me like, Hey, if you care about the star Wars universe, like keep up and like watch the show. And I have a great worry that, the reason Ahsoka's character didn't go through many evolutions, the reason that, like not much happened was because, well, it just can't like, this is a side story that's putting the planks in place for a movie. Yeah. They're, that, sa- well, they're sh- saving Ahsoka's big turn for the movie or whatever. For the big right? turn for yeah. the movie. And that like, 
they're just going to have an exposition dump this all over again anyway. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? Like, they're exactly, going to have to yeah. re anything that's that important, like, is going to have to be explained, you know, again to an audience that maybe hasn't seen the the, the, the movies or the, the yeah, they could they could have called it a lot of different things that would have set expectations differently. The Adventures of Ahsoka and Sabine. They could have called it the Return of Ezra Bridger. You know, like what they could call right. the show any number of things, uh, but they chose to call it Ahsoka. And I do think that did a disservice in, in many ways to the show and, and to our expectations. Um, I will say, though, that the score of the show is really cool. And I did. One of my favorite parts of watching the show is at the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh, the Ahsoka logo coming up and like the score kicking in. And I was like, oh, that's a really badass score and like a cool looking logo for Ahsoka. So maybe they saw that and they're like, oh, we can't get rid of that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, I was but, you know, to the, the you know, for for all the ups and downs of the uh, the television extensions of Star Wars under under Disney Plus, the one of the great highs has been the musical accompaniment, like the scores to these shows, because they. For a series that is so burdened yeah. by history and nostalgia, yeah, yeah. Uh, they have gone out of their way to yes. try and find I, like musical, I, like The Mandalorian. Even if you don't like that show, like I think it has a kick-ass theme, like exactly, yeah. has has a really great score that I I listen to when I write yeah. constantly. And Ahsoka is going to, despite like having pretty mixed feelings on the show. I will probably listen to that score, like that end credits theme, yes, like which they replace. The final episode has something different, um, but the first uh, seven has like this great, dun, dun, dun. like it's yeah, awesome. Like it's, it's so a cool. great, it's so um, cool. Yeah, and it expresses a little more gravity to the to the show than maybe the show was expressing itself. But I would get to Absolutely. the end. But yeah, Mandalorian but the, score, Ludwig Göransson. Uh, yeah, great writer of the score, really amazing stuff, and uh, the score to Ahsoka is pretty good. Kevin. Uh, Kevin Kiner, I think, is the composer for Ahsoka, so I want to give them props as well. And, and Ahsoka is one of the few times where they actually allow themselves. The TV shows have basically said we're not going to do much. We're not going to like hit too many of the 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 Williams, the John Williams themes. Um, this show definitely, I think, yes. this is the Lucas part of Filoni is like they nah, definitely invoke like, it. They, yeah. We're gonna we're, we're gonna do that a little more often, but it at least makes those moments like land better when it's a surprise that they're weaving in like a theme that we know. Cause it actually ends up adding some weight to a scene as opposed to like, remember, Hey, like remember, cause like they could just easily do like the Imperial March for Thrawn. Cause like, yeah, he's the empire. But like, I'm glad that they don't so that at some point you can tell at some point Thrawn is going to get like the Imperial March theme and it'll feel cool. Cause they waited as opposed to, like just laying out the carpet uh, on that uh, immediately. We should also say that Thrawn shows up at Dathomir, I believe with a bunch of coffins, right? Is uh, my understanding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And so, and so he's like probably going to be able to raise a whole zombie army. And presumably this zombie army is going to play a role into the rise of the first order is my guess. Right. So I would, I would guess. so. Uh, yes. Yeah. So that's, that's where that's going. And, whether that's resolved in Ahsoka season two or the movie remains to be seen, but uh, hopefully we get to see Thawne do some badass stuff. You know, I posted on threads. I was saying like how I thought this season of TV was disappointing. And I was saying they didn't make Ahsoka into a compelling character. They didn't make Thrawn into a, like any kind of threatening or dangerous or, you know, intelligent figure. And somebody responded. They said, well, he won, didn't he? <laughs> and I guess it's like, okay, okay, fair. 
fair. And <laughs> and I think and and basically from what we understand, he will win. You know, so. Uh, but I don't know, man. I I think that like to make someone like Thrawn into a threatening character, you need to have like uh, the main characters try to put together some elaborate high high impact plan and then Thrawn figure out a way to thwart it possibly in real time and show like how he's like the master of like thinking on his feet and stuff like that. Yeah, and nothing that- about the new Republic suggests that like these real geniuses are going <laughs> to like when they discover Thrawn has returned, like they're going to roll out plan B. And right, right. <laughs> basically like nothing in the show suggests that it, it has the building blocks to even do what I suggested really, in my opinion. So, uh, or is even interested. In doing what I suggested, instead just referring to how Thrawn is threatening, you don't need to show it. You know that's what a lot of the show does is it sh- it tells and doesn't show, uh, which is a core of a lot of my issues with the show. Okay, anyway, Patrick, we've done it. The Ahsoka minisode is now longer than the actual episode of Ahsoka itself, <laughs> uh, or at least an episode of Ahsoka. So we should really wrap up. But I do I do want to express my gratitude again. Uh, for Patrick for putting up with my complaints for the show, but also to our listeners for uh, just being really understanding, you know, like um, sometimes uh, depending on what we're discussing on the show, uh, the, the, a a different audience that is not receptive to my opinions catches hold of the podcast and uh, you know, is, is like very mean in the emails about whether we should talk about a show. But I think, (laughs) I think people understood that I'm, I'm, I tried to bring a very, I tried to bring a very charitable, analytical approach to my watching of the show uh and even though i ended up not liking it uh i'm still grateful to have gone down this journey with patrick klepek so uh anyway that concludes our coverage of ahsoka for this season and uh let us know what you thought decoding tv at gmail.com find more episodes at podcast.decodingtv.com and find us across all platforms at decoding tv and of course you can always support the show by becoming a paid member at decodingtv.com uh, you can find more of Patrick Klepek's work at Remap Radio, wherever podcasts can be downloaded. And Crossplay.News is his Substack newsletter. Patrick, thanks for chatting with me about Ahsoka Season 1. Thank you. All right. And thanks for listening to Decoding TV. We'll see you this week with our coverage of Loki Season 2. We're also wrapping up our coverage of The Continental. Uh, so keep it tuned into Decoding TV. Uh, And yeah, we'll be doing weekly coverage of Loki. That'll be the next big show that we cover. So looking forward to covering that right here on Decoding TV. Thanks for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.